How can you incorporate theology into your songwriting as a worship leader? How can we have unity with so much division in our churches about worship and everything? Today we're going to talk with music artist and worship leader Davey Flowers about that and more. It's all this week on Making Sunday Happen. Let's do it. This is the definitive podcast for helping you plan, create, and execute dynamic worship experiences at your church. Useful, practical content in the areas of production, worship, communications, first impressions, and more. This is Making Sunday Happen. Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. Glad to have you here. Today on the show, we have a really special guest. Davey Flowers will be here. Davey is a worship leader and songwriter. Davey and I actually served on staff at the same church, just at different times. I was the tech guy at a large church, and then she came in as a worship leader. Her first album is being released now. It's produced by Shane Bernard of Shane and Shane. She's been in ministry a while and has a diverse background of denominations and churches. I love talking with Davey, and I think you're going to really enjoy our conversation. Uh, We'll jump in to my conversation with Davey right after this. Check this out. Hey guys, Grant Murphy here from the 1230 team. We are now taking orders for custom Christmas projects for your Christmas worship experience. Over the years, we've produced countless lyric videos, service openers, scripture videos, story videos, Christmas series and social graphics, and more for ministries and churches too. We would love to serve you. Our team is growing and is ready to take on your unique Christmas project, so don't wait too long. Go ahead and get started on your custom project today at 1230.media. That's 1230.media. Hey guys, today I welcome Davey Flowers. Davey is a worship leader and songwriter from Texas with a passion to see people encounter Jesus Christ. She is currently a resident artist and songwriter at the Worship Initiative and is a worship leader at Watermark Community Church. Her brand new album, I Was Loved, is available now. Davey, welcome. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for having me. So tell me a little bit about your ministry experience and kind of where God has had you the last few years. Yeah. So a little bit of the history, got radically saved as a teenager. Pretty soon after giving my life to Jesus, I had a pretty intense, compelling towards vocational ministry. Initially, it was like this really intense uh, passion for foreign missions. And so that kind of led me to, you know, went to college for a little bit, dropped out of college, went to the foreign mission field for two years, came back and went to Bible college. And it was during those Bible college years, the last few, maybe the last year in Bible college where the Lord um, really gave me a heart for the local church in the West for the first time where I, you know, uh, I was working part-time at a small Methodist church leading worship. And that was kind of my first experience to be able to kind of get a view behind the veil of kind of what's going on yeah. culture-wise at local churches. And that experience specifically just broke my heart and gave me eyes to see that like there's a real harvest in the church. And um, that was back in, uh, I think, 2013, where I felt the Lord inviting me into local church vocational ministry. And that led me to um, working at a church in Mississippi, which you also worked at the same church. I was there for six years on their worship staff, just like doing the work, developing, discipling worship leaders, um, using my gifts and my passion to serve that local body. And through the course of that 
that six years, um, the Lord only deepened my passion for the church and my vision to see um, just a revival of uh, passionate, wholehearted, authentic worship among believers. Um, and from there, I, two years ago, a little bit over two years ago, moved to Dallas to join staff at my local church here, Watermark Community. Um, that connection was made through my friendship with Shane and Shane because um, they were here at Watermark and the Lord kind of in his providence led me there, led me here. And um, after about a year, the Shanes uh, started a, a label expression of their ministry, the worship initiative, and brought me on as one of the first artists. And so I'm about a year and a half out of being a local church staff member. So it's a little bit of a different, you know, it's a little bit of a different uh, uh, mode of worship leadership uh, where at times I can feel a little bit uh, more removed from like the hands-on getting your right. hands pretty nitty gritty relational week to week thing, week to week, you know, yep. all everything that encompasses that. Um, but still, you know, even in this season, in this position of being a recording artist, I still burn with the desire to see God's people um, experience him in, in, in authenticity and respond to him rightly in like a radical expression of affection and adoration and worship and praise. And so um, I've been on this journey since I was 15 years old and it's been a wild ride and it's yeah. just been uh, grace upon grace and joy overflowing as I'm just like, it's just a dream that I get to do vocationally what I love and what I would do for free. Um, yeah. And it's, it's gift and it's humbling. And yeah, so it's, it's been a ride. That's awesome. So, uh, so the Shanes with the worship initiative, tell, tell me a little bit about that. And then they have produced your first album. It's called I was loved. This is mm -hmm. your first one, right? Yeah, this is my first full-length record. So, yeah. so tell me how that process started. They invited you in and then have produced this album with you, right? Yeah. So Shane Bernard has been a dear friend since probably like 2012 or maybe 2010, actually. We met through a mutual friend, connected. He's just one of those people that you're just, you know, you have an immediate kinship with because you're like-minded, like-hearted. You have the same mission, vision, and values. We connected years ago. And we kind of, we kind of fell out of touch. And then the Shanes came into the concert at Pine Lake back in 2016, and we reconnected 2015. And uh, they started bringing me out here to Dallas to do, you know, to come and record on Worship Initiative Records and to come and lead with them and partner with them on different things. And um, that led to, you know, them bringing me here and kind of jumping, jumping full on with the mission of what's going on here. And um, yeah, so they, they, they brought me on and uh, it's kind of been this like, you know, it's all family vibes. We've got our small community here that's like deeply rooted in like local church. And we all just are kind of on the same page of just like wanting to see um, just a return to uh, just purity and authenticity within the, the worship culture. And uh, we, you know, about six months into coming on uh, coming on staff here, we kind of started the process of writing for my record and dreaming up my record. And um, Shane Bernard uh, actually produced my record, which is really fun because we're really close friends and we do a lot of life together. So it just felt like a very safe context to do my first record because there's just yeah. like so much trust. He knows me better than a lot of people. And, you know, 
doing your first work record comes with a lot of insecurity. It comes with a lot of, you know, heightened emotions and uh, being able to partner with Shane. And that just felt like a really safe, a really beautiful um, context to be able to do that. And uh, I, you know, I got to have a ton of like creative autonomy and like Mm. getting to do what, what was really in my heart and having, you know, Shane just kind of like support and empower and give me permission to do that as a producer, but then also as technically my boss at the worship initiative, um, it just was a really beautiful uh, journey. And I'm really, really grateful and really excited about what, what came out of it. And um, it's been out a few months now and I've already heard just like mind blowing stories of how the Lord is truly meeting people's hearts and just like, restoring faith and like stirring people's affection for Jesus and all that. So very grateful, very honored and having a ton of fun. Yeah. It's always humbling how, uh, you know, you put something out there and then the Lord uses it and you're like, Whoa, just, just the impact you just humbled by that, by what God does. Uh, and you wrote a lot of the songs, uh, I have down that you wrote like 11 of the 12 songs on the album, right? Mm Mm-hmm. That's awesome. How, how tell me about that process and that that came from just some of your life struggles and stuff, right? Yeah. So, uh five of the songs were written by myself. Uh and those are like deeply personal, came directly out of the prayer closet, just conversations between me and the Lord. Uh things I've been wrestling with through the years, kind of a resolve that I've come through come to through that wrestling a couple of main things that like Jesus is sufficient and he's not going anywhere. That's kind of those five songs that I wrote kind of all came out of, you know, wrestling with God's word and coming to the conclusion that those things are true. And then the rest of the songs were co-writes. And so um, some of them were written with, uh, you know, random folks in Nashville that I've connected with. Some of them were written at um, Maverick city music writing camps, uh, maybe one, one or two of them. Uh, some of them were written with our team here. Um, so it's just kind of a conglomeration of like, uh, you know, all the songs that I've written over the past two or three years. And it's kind of cool to kind of, it's been cool to watch how the Lord kind of worked it out that the specific songs that landed on the record landed on the record because in the process it felt kind of random because I was just grabbing songs from here and there just kind of looking back through the archives and pulling all the best songs with which kind of felt a little bit a little bit more mechanical but in the end it ended up being that like there's like very clear like together and threads and yeah it's kind of like this myriad and mosaic of of this like clear na- narrative of like the the unyielding unrelenting uh, nature of God's love for his people and his nearness and uh his companionship and the sufficiency of Jesus so it's been cool to watch the holy spirit kind of put it all together um but it's really just a combination of just my songwriting journey for the past two years which has included me in my room in front of a key board working it out with Jesus and me partnering with other like-minded people to write songs for the church. So I want to talk to other worship leaders, uh, especially uh, those interested in songwriting and, and uh, just in their local uh, context in a church or they want to do other things. So tell me how you incorporate theology uh, in- into your songs. What is that process like for you? Yeah. Kind of like a word to live by that I always that I always reference is the fact that the only words that we know for sure God endorses are his own. And so as creatives, you know, we, 
we are dreamers and we see pictures and we hear stories and we're inspired. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of different ways to, to do things as far as like language and articulation. But for me, I value the word of God over, you know, everything else when it comes to trying to find language, trying to bend words around the, 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 revelation of who God is trying to, 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 to use my, you know, human limitations to make sense of these very weighty, almost mystical, you know, truths and realities found, uh, in the scripture. And so for me as a songwriter, it's kind of like a rule that I, that I always start with scripture, or I always kind of have to, even if I start with like, you know, even if an inspiration for, for a song comes from somewhere r- random, I have to kind of do the work to find like b- biblical support mm-hmm. to be able to wrap that language around like my own experience and my own story. Um, and so, um, yeah, just. I, and I think as a songwriter, the gift of God's word makes the whole thing so much easier because we're, we don't have to be left to our own ingenuity and creativity and wisdom to come up with all these creative ways to express the, the re- realities that are, that transcend words and God, God has given us, he's written it all down for us. And so have a base to for work me, with. yeah. And it's like, we, we've literally been given the whole story from beginning to end, you know? And so um, it's, it's definitely like just a huge part of my process. And usually for me, I usually actually start with when I'm, when I'm writing alone, it looks different when I'm writing with other people, but when I'm writing alone, a a pretty typical practice is I'll, I'll just open a text and just start singing it. I'll just sing it verbatim and then I'll start paraphrasing it. And then through that process, usually the Holy Spirit will highlight specific themes, specific phrases. Um, and it, yeah, it just using the word of God as my predominant tool just makes the whole thing so much easier. And the weight and the onus is not on me. It's like the pressure is not on me. Like my responsibility is to take the word of God, the, the, the inerrant inspired word and to put it into uh, a language and an expression that is, um, that is like palatable and digestible for people um, in all stages of life and in all stages of Christian maturity. So I definitely think, you know, obviously in the last 40, 50 years, we've kind of made this shift from hymns to, you know, the Calvary Chapel movement and, uh, and, and, you know, Christian music has kind of evolved and we've kind of moved from, you know, hymns were very, the, uh, you know, uh, had a lot of theology in them. Uh, and one thing I love about the, the Shane and Shane is that the, the songs are, are deep, uh, and, and things like that. So, Speak to speak to what you were just saying and speak to worship leaders week in, week out to not make things fluffy, to 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 know that we're we're on stage and we have a responsibility to uh, to not let it be routine or rote, but uh, that it's really, you know, we want our, our worship times to be grounded in Scripture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we're living in a moment in the church where all the lines seem like they're just super blurred. And especially as we're kind of moving towards the, um, you know, Christian music industry is like mirroring more and more sort of the culture of the secular music industry. And it's just really, really easy to, to feel the pressure to like succumb to trends and to kind of placate to the kind of uh, flow of where 
society seems to be moving. And I just believe that like, um, the, the simplicity of, of the things that have, that have always been true have to kind of, we have to fight for them to remain at the, the forefront. And, um, uh, I, I kind of, I'm really passionate about, especially in this moment we're living in, like as worship leaders fighting personally, starting with ourselves, like returning to a place of purity, returning to a place of simple devotion where the first things are first, where, you know, we are motivated by uh, and driven by a desire to serve God's people uh, the way that Jesus did it by going low, washing people's feet, life on life, relational kind of being fully present in the the lives of the people that we're serving, starting there and then standing unapologetically, no matter where the, the, the culture moves, no matter what kind of, you know, trends and things are being adopted and, and prioritized. We, we are given the responsibility to unapologetically kind of build our lives, build our, our mission, build our ministry, build our service on the foundation of God's word and uh, God's, you know, desire to see his people moving forward in spiritual formation and discipleship. And, um, you know, I, I think we always need to be in this place of like evaluating, kind of checking, checking our, our motivators, checking our, you know, just the things that we're, we're that we're driven by uh, and always, you know, being able to fully know the why behind every th single thing that we're doing as we're planning sets, as we're building experiences for people to uh, encounter God in worship, like asking the question um, about every single choice that we make, like what's the motivator? Why are we doing it? What's the point? Are we, you know, are we kind of motivated to like impress or entertain or manipulate people's emotions? Or are we truly motivated by a, just a simple, genuine desire for people to encounter Jesus for themselves and treasure him rightly? And so I think it's just as worship leaders, we just kind of have to stay in this practice of like always taking stock and like assessing our heart and assessing our, our motivations and doing that in the context of community and to not, you know, get to a place where, you know, we, we just kind of like fall out of an aware of an awareness of our own uh, weakness and our own temptations to kind of just like do things. Cause everybody else is doing them or to do things just because we kind of want to, we kind of want to fall in line with all the cool kids. You know, they're just right. a lot more things that are way more important that matter more and actually hold eternal weight. Um, yeah. So you kind of alluded to uh, like the comparison trap of comparing ourselves with other churches and things like that. What are some other mistakes like that, that you, that you've seen, you've been, you've been around a, a while in different churches, different contexts, what are you seeing that worship leaders are making, I guess it's mistakes or just things that you'd like to encourage worship leaders to do or not do? Yeah. Um, so I, I, you know, I'm a little bit, a little bit more removed from like the day in day out now that I'm like functioning more as an artist, right. but something that I ran up against over and over again, when I was kind of in the trenches of like week to week, local church ministry was just like the, um, the temptation to like live in this constant place of like dis discontentment. And by that, I mean, like, uh, don't get too comfortable. I, no, no, no. To get comfortable, complacent. Um, uh, but then also like, I, 
because I was always, because of like always comparing myself to kind of what's going on and like the bigger culture of worship, I always found myself like restless and like unable to be fully present with the people that God, you know, Mm -hmm gave me to like steward and disciple and serve and lead and shepherd and pastor. There just was this constant temptation to kind of be, uh, to have my mind and my heart somewhere else. And so I, I would say like, you know, fighting to like in every single way, like in fully embrace and wrap your arms in your heart and your, uh, your passion around the place where God has planted you. Like if he's planted you there, it's like, he has very specific purposes. And there is like, there is, there is fruitfulness. And there is like the, the very real like ability and capacity to like bloom and bear fruit. And so like, uh, you know, just, yeah, being, being absolutely fully present, fully engaging with the people that you're right in front of and like fighting the temptation to be somewhere that you're not. Of course, like we always want to be like growing in skill and like sharpening craft and like, you know, taking time to like, uh, you know, better ourselves and move forward as like on a practical level as worship leaders. So we're like doing things to like cultivate that. But at the end of the day, we have to prioritize above all other things. Um, Yeah. Just like, really, really like doing life and doing ministry in a way that's fully like appropriated to the people and the culture and the church that God has planted us in. Um, And also not allowing ourselves to kind of grow complacent and just kind of move through the motions and do things the way we've always done it. And just like pull, pull the same old tricks out of our bag because we know, we know what to do because we've done it for years, like allowing ourselves to, to dream and to like, really pray and seek the Lord and like how he might want to like breathe like fresh inspiration and a fresh wind into um, some of the like methods and modes of, of operation that we've kind of done for years, especially for those who have just been like grinding for years and years and years. Yeah. There's the constant temptation to just kind of sit back and let things happen as opposed to being proactive and like missional and like dreaming and praying and sort of uh, doing worship uh leading worship kind of in this constant place of like fellowship and communion with the Lord and being sensitive to whatever fresh ways the Holy Spirit might be leading us in the moment. I think you're so right, especially when it comes to comparing our our situation with another church, because I, I'll see that a lot. You know, oh, I wish I could be elevation or or whatever it might be. And, I, and I'm, I'm uh, it's so uh, interesting because you're in a totally, you know, uh, if I'm talking to this person, you're in a totally different context with different people, with a different set of needs, with a different set of struggles, like that this is the context that God has you in. And so to to look over here and say, oh, well, they have all the, the money or they have the resources or they have the whatever, uh, that's not necessarily true. They have their own set of struggles. And I've been in large churches. You've been in large churches where we still have a budget. You know, we still have struggles. Uh, we still have, you know, uh, trouble getting people to accept on planning center. I mean, it's the it's the same kind of uh, struggles. So that's interesting. Uh, all right. In the couple minutes that we have uh, remaining together, one of your passions is finding unity in the worship community across denominations. So uh, what are some ways that you've been able to to go after that? Tell me maybe what makes you sad when it comes to the divides in ministry. Mm-hmm. 
So my my journey has been a little bit unique in that um, I've just gotten the opportunity to 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 pretty much be um, I, like I've I have experienced like community and fellowship um, with almost like every pocket of the church. It's like I got saved in the very traditional Southern Baptist church. Uh, then I ended up uh, in a very, very hyper charismatic environment. Uh, and at, at one point I was a part of a, like a Presbyterian, like liturgical environment. At one point I was very influenced by like some of my Catholic brothers and sisters and like the mystics and like, you know, all the, the books and writings about, you know, prayer and all that. And then, uh, for the, the last, you know, uh, probably three years I've been like inundated in the more reformed environment. And so that, journey has like allowed me to like really rub shoulders with and like do really do life with and build genuine relationships with people that are kind of all, all across the full spectrum. So that journey has given me like a genuine love uh, for the full spectrum of the Big C Church, uh, people who view certain things differently than me, people who are more accustomed to a culture that's very different than what I'm most comfortable with. Uh, and I I have been like formed by every facet of the church. So I just, mm. I have like a high appreciation for and value for, you know, the hyper charismatic end of the spectrum and the hyper reform, you know, the John Piper and the, you know, Mike Pickle or whatever. Uh, mm. So that's kind of, um, because of that, I am super grieved by a lot of the um, just like it's it's not it's not even hidden. Like people are like blatantly yeah. siloed, blatantly don't want to have anything to do with the other side of the other you know side of the spectrum. Blatantly um, uh, have all of these assumptions and judgments and criticism towards. Uh, people's journey of faith that they, 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 they have never even like rubbed shoulders with never even had a, a conversation with. And so for me, I, at this point in my life, I just have a huge value for coming to the table and being willing to be, to be challenged and led and encouraged and inspired. And uh, even like pastored in certain ways by people who may have a little bit of a different lens on certain things, especially like secondary things that aren't like the foundational fundamental, like tenets mm -hmm. of our faith. Like there are some things that are just like, we're just not going to argue about. We can't have any fellowship. If you don't believe in the substitutionary atonement of Jesus, if you don't believe, you know, there's just like, there are certain things that you're like, we can't have fellowship. If we're, we can't have Christian fellowship. If your, your, you know, ministry and faith is not built on like the core pillars of our faith. But when it comes to like secondary issues of scripture that are like very nuanced and like, you know, there's a lot of things that we're just going to find out when we're with Jesus face to face. Mm -hmm. I'm like very willing to like, and I love the tension. I love the tension of like sitting in a song, right. With a person that, you know, has a different has a little bit of a different like theology of the Holy spirit than I do. And so we get to kind of, Hey, let's take the scripture and let's go back and forth. And let's as brothers, as brothers and sisters, like wrestle together, as opposed to, you know, me just kind of putting you in a box and assuming that you don't get it. And assuming that, you know, we can't have fellowship and we can't build 
something for the kingdom together because we're not fully aligned on all the things. And so, um, yeah, I, I mean, I think it's like crucial. Like, I think it grieves the Lord's heart, you know, like the disunity in the church. I think it breaks his heart. And um, I, I, for years, I have felt this like sense of like a calling from the Lord and like a desire to be somewhat of a bridge builder, to be, you know, across cultures, like ethnically, you know, and that in that I'm black and I find myself a lot of times in predominantly white spaces against like, I mean, uh, <coughs> for like denominational differences, because I've been kind of all over the place. I kind of have the ability and the vernacular and the grace and the language to be able to like build the bridge. And, uh, and so, yeah, I would just say to people like in whatever way you can, like be willing to come to the table and be willing to consider that, uh, you know, God, God might want to sharpen and sanctify and, uh, conform you more into the image of Jesus by allowing you to experience life in partnership and ministry with someone who you may have previously judged or criticized or put in a box just because they don't share a hundred percent of your theological convictions. Good. All right. One last uh, question for you, then I'm going to hit you with some quick rapid fire. All right. So I want you to talk to church staff members and volunteers that make Sunday happen each week. What would you say to encourage them to not get weary in doing good. Yeah. Um, I would say to them, what I say to myself almost every single day is that he really is worthy. You know, it's like, he's worthy of our effort. He's worthy of our labor. He's worthy of our time. He's worthy of our wrestling. He's worthy of our showing up you know, in the hours before nobody gets there and setting up the chairs and putting in the pro presenter lyrics and doing all the things that no one's ever going to praise you for. No one's even going to, most people aren't even going to be aware of the fact that you do half of the things you do. And just remember like at the end of the day, ultimately who you're doing it for. And um, the fact that your reward is your, your reward and your, your, your well done, good and faithful servant at the, as at the end of the day, it's going to come from your father. Um, and so I know there's a lot of people that it's just like, you're grinding, you're working hard, you're serving, you're pouring yourself out. And maybe you feel like, you know, you're, you're not recognized or like affirmed or validated um, as much as you, you feel like you should be, you know, that validation, the way that you want it to come might not ever come. Uh, I, I pray and hope that it does. And it should from those who love you and, and know you and see how faithfully you pour, you're pouring out your all to serve God's people. But if it never, never comes uh, build your, allow, allow your confidence and your, and your, um, heart to be settled and rested in the fact that like your, your reward comes for your, from your father and like, he's worthy of your faithfulness. And so stay the course with your eyes locked in and fixed on Jesus, knowing that, um, yeah, in, in, in the end, uh, you know, um, yeah, the, the, the ultimate validation, ultimate, ultimate affirmation is going to come from your father who built you informed you and fashioned you and gave you your unique gifts for the purposes that you would, um, that he would get ultimate glory out of your life. So stay the course well done and keep running and, and don't break that gaze with Jesus. Good. All right. Rapid fire before you go, here we go. 
Number one, what is something in the church right now that encourages you about the future? Um, something in the church that encourages me about the future. Uh, I, I would say I just got off a tour, an arena tour where, you know, week, uh, day after day, I got to be a part of like thousands of people packing out arenas to worship and encounter Jesus. And that encourages me because I feel like uh, secular society would, uh, would tempt us to believe that the church is dead, that the church is losing our relevancy. But what I'm seeing is that people are still desperate for God. People are still acknowledging um, that uh, there's this vacuum and this void within their souls that only, that only God can fill. And I'm encouraged to know that even though there's a lot of things uh, that are uncertain about the future of like our nation uh, as the church, I'm encouraged by the fact that people are still showing up, people are still fighting, clinging to Jesus and desperate to encounter him. That gives me hope for the future. Good. All right, random. What TV show are you binging right now on the road? Uh, I don't watch good. You don't? But I guess, I guess I'm kind of always binging The Office, even uh, though I've course. seen it a lot. Of course. Yeah. Got to watch The Office. Yeah. All right. Number three, name the song and artist from these lyrics. This should be easy for you, I hope. Here we go. Lately, I've been going through some things that's really got me down. I need someone, somebody. Yep. And when I think about your goodness, it makes me want to stop. That's it. That's it. All right. Number four, what is one thing worship leaders could do this Sunday that would be a game changer for their ministry? A game changer for their ministry? Yeah. You know what? Uh, in your your uh, briefing time before before go time, ask your people how they're doing and pray for them specifically for the, the things that they're walking through. Yeah. That's a game changer. Good. All right, last one. What is the most attractive character trait a worship leader and songwriter can have to be a great leader? Humility and purity. Good. Awesome. So you are actually on tour right now with Kirk Franklin. I'm not. We're done. You're done. Yeah. So so uh, just so people know, a little insight here. We've been trying to get together for a while. So I think when when we first started connecting, you were you were still on tour. So when did that tour wrap up for you? I wrapped up. I think our last show was July 31st. Okay, that's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So what's next for you? Uh, right now, I'm just like. You know, traveling a ton, leading worship with our team. I'm writing a ton, pre pre prepping for whatever record is coming next, doing a lot of co-writing, a lot of dreaming. Uh, and, you know, po post-tour, I'm just locking back in with my people. You know, being out on the road is really hard. So right now I'm just prioritizing, like, being intentional and like connecting back in with my community and caring for people well and my local church, serving like crazy. Um, yeah, it's good times. Good. The album is called I Was Loved. It's available now. Where can we get it, Davey? You can get it wherever you listen to music. Awesome. Thank you so much for the time. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Hey, friends, don't miss brand new Thanksgiving ready-made media in our library. You can start downloading Thanksgiving title and social media graphics, Thanksgiving worship openers and scripture videos, and more. You can purchase media content a la carte for as low as $5 or start your unlimited downloads today. Just go to 1230.media. That's 1230.media. The show notes for this episode are available now at makingsundayhappen.com. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Next week, I welcome my friend Chris Abbott. 
Abbo and I will be talking about landing pages and the best ways to have visitors to your church plan their visit. So how can you drive folks from Facebook ads to landing pages to physically attending your church? Very practical episode next week. Well, go out there and create some incredible worship experiences at your church this weekend. I'll catch you next week. Making Sunday Happen is a production of the Ministry of 1230 Media. For show notes, archive episodes, and more free resources for your church, visit makingsundayhappen.com.